Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging F1 podcast review of a, I thought, very enjoyable, very entertaining Canadian Grand Prix, the first time we've been in Montreal since 2019, although we weren't in Montreal because we don't have that kind of travel budget yet, but we will be discussing the race and to join me for that is Freddie Coates and Nigel Chu, who is a man who watched his first Love Island episode last, not last night, Saturday night. Nigel, what did you think of it? It was on Friday, Adam. They don't do it yeah, on Saturdays, mate. Come on. Yeah, it's unseen bits. What, what on do Saturday. they do on Saturday? Oh, Freddie. <laughs> oh, sorry. What did you think of it, Nigel? Uh, it's not my cup of tea, to be honest. <laughs> Bit like F1. Did you, prefer, <laughs> no. did you prefer it or the race? Yeah. Uh, where? I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair enough. What's funny? <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm great. I really enjoyed the race. I have answers to questions. Um, unlike Nigel, it seems. Um, I really enjoyed the race. I'm in a good place. I'm. This is the last podcast that we'll do from this um, Zoom setting, if you're watching on YouTube, and from this acoustic setting, if you're listening in um, the world. Um, so that means nothing to most people apart from me, unless there's some breaking news in the next three or four days. So unless we have like, I don't know, unless Lewis Hamilton signs for Alfa Romeo or something. Um, probably won't have a podcast in the next few days where we need to do an emergency pod. But who knows? I've probably jinxed it now. And Joe Guanyu is going to actually sign for Mercedes instead. Yeah, I feel like if there's any breaking news that in the next few days, then it's got Freddie's fingerprints all over it. But <laughs> yes, Freddie is moving out of his place in Sheffield, and we won't we won't have any Sheffield presence for the first time in a while well, until I, mean, I move back in. So. Since really, since we started, probably since a few weeks ago, actually. Okay. Well, there was probably a point where me and Nigel were both at home. I think we I think we're delving yeah. too much into this. Yes. Canada. Anyway, Canada. Yes, Canada happened, and it was won by Max Verstappen. What? He, on paper, he led to lead every single lap, or was he? No. No, he didn't. Science but it was. But it, he always looked in control. But there was some uh, some pressure coming on him, especially at the end, from Carlos Sainz. There's a message on here saying Verstappen's best week on, on our planning document. It didn't say when, though. Is that this season or is that just ever in his entire life? Or like This season, it's got it's, to be. Um, is it his I'd best imagine. season of his Nigel, life? Nigel, you wrote best it in the planning doc. Yeah. What, what's well, your question? I think it's, it's one of his best weekend performances in his F1 career for me. I think right. last year, France and Zandvoort were like two of his best. But this year, well, in Canada, to top every segment of qualifying, Q1, Q2, Q3, in the wet, mm. really tough conditions. And then, he, you know, every he switched his tyres on as well. He blitzed the field, quite frankly. He, he never looked like he wasn't not going to get pole. I think that was really impressive. And you know, he said that uh, Sites and Ferrari had the faster car on Sunday, which is something Sites himself has admitted. And I think any time you win and you don't have the fastest car, I think that's got to be really, you know, an incredible performance. And I think it was. He didn't put a foot wrong on Saturday or Sunday at all, under the pressure, especially during those last 15 laps. Sites made a tiny mistake on the ultimate lap, I think it was, at the hairpin, which cost him any, any chance. And when he was, he, was going, he was quite close going into there, and that cost him a chance of potentially overtaking him. 
that was the kind of mistake Sites was looking for from Verstappen. But Verstappen never made those small errors. And I think under that kind of pressure is really impressive. So that with the qualifying performance, I think it's definitely definitely his best weekend performance this year and one of his best in his seven years in F1 for me. I think the with the qualifying performance, the question I have is of competition. Claire wasn't a factor and Perez went out in Q2. So, you know, I think the topping every session while impressive, I think there's kind of that question mark. But I think certainly in the race to keep up that pressure and be able to deliver that kind of performance. And to me, as, as much as I kind of, I was excited in the last um, chunk of the race after the safety car, it didn't feel, it always felt like Verstappen was in control. And I don't think, you know, if it, it looked like it would be very difficult science to pass. And to be honest, I think if science had passed, there's a very good chance Verstappen might have just blown past the next lap anyway. So I think in terms of race, it was very, very dominant. And compare that to the last time we were in, Canada where there was someone leading with the slower car and they made a mistake that cost them the race I think you can contrast those and Verstappen didn't put a foot wrong as you say yeah um, Adam makes a great point to compare it to the last time we saw a long big pressure point there because it was very easy to make a mistake in the same way that both of you said he was exemplary um, science was also impressive I think his um, mistake at the end can be more forgiven in compared to Verstappen because Verstappen was more hitting marks whereas science had to go over a level um, into that hairpin every quite a few times. I think actually quite a lot of the time he did go over that level on where you think the car should be able to be going into that hairpin and make it stick. So I think science had some really, really um, well-controlled um, moments that would have been hairy for most other drivers going with that amount of speed into a lot of those corners, um, which is testament to the Ferrari, but testament to science as well. So I think, yeah, I think, to be honest, the Sunday performance from both of those drivers was phenomenal. Um, the Saturday performance from Max was phenomenal. Um, admittedly, as Adam says, without that kind of thorn in his side that is probably the greatest qualifier in Formula One at the moment, that is Charles Leclerc. Um, so that that sort of step is in the way. But I mean, you know, we'll rank everyone's race, best race at the end of the year, but it was definitely a very, very good one. Mm. Uh, I think we, we got a proper race as well because, yes, it did feel like the shopping was under control, but it would be stop versus a one stop. And with the, you know, if the late safety car didn't come because of Sonoda's, Sonoda's crash, it would have been a stand on the attack. And would he have, well, would he have overtaken sites or court sites at the end? Probably, but we you know, missed out on that. And it would have been quite close, I think. It was close. It was close anyway. I, I I don't think I think it's a it's one. I think I've, I've seen a few things go around saying stuff like, "Oh, George would have got past. Oh, Lewis would have got past. Oh, Fernando could have got past if you're in that car." I I don't know. I actually think Science gave even at points when he was half a second. He's like going into the DRS and he couldn't get past. So I think I don't think it was Science. I think it was more a nature of where it was with the fact that it was attacking Verstappen. I, don't, yeah, I, think, I, I, I think it's an annoying question to ask. Could Leclerc have done it? I think that's the wrong question to ask, to be honest, at the moment. Yeah, that, science that, did very I'm not well. saying that. I'm saying he didn't have the late safety car. It would have been a kind of thing with Verstappen trying to close that 10-second gap. And then, you know, it would, would have been him trying to... It wasn't easy. In fact... 
budget under control because I think, like Sides and Verstappen have said, Ferrari had the best car. They didn't happen that. That doesn't happen often in F1. I'd, I'd have backed Verstappen to do it that way round. To be honest, I think he. I just back him in those situations to deliver, and especially with the Red Bull and with the straight line speed that they had. I just, I think it would have been it, things would have had to go absolutely flawlessly for Sainz to win. And even though they went very well for him in terms of the way kind of fortune played out, I think there was just that when you're against someone, you know, in the form that Verstappen is of the quality that Verstappen is in the car that the Red Bull is, then going to be very difficult to beat him and that's really why Claire's been the only one because he's got I think in terms of the way he's driving I think he's got the form and the if Ferrari can deliver the car and the quality but there's not many of the drives on the grid you can say that of and yeah I think it was it was another chance for kind of gone begging for science to win a race I think it's five second places now but it's not I don't view that as you know the biggest or the best chance that he's had it was he could have done it, but it would have been difficult regardless. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't think it was the, the biggest chance, but I think it was a very good chance. And I think he drove very well to be in that chance. I think, yeah, I think I get what you're saying now, Nigel, about whether if the rules were reversed between Verstappen and Sainz. Um, and I think it's a, a hard one to draw a conclusion with based on the level of the Ferrari's top line speed, which was lacking all through. You could see the Alfa Romeo's not being able to overtake anyone. Um, all through the race as well, because the Ferrari straight line speed power unit wasn't there, whereas other cars were able to manage that a lot better. That's why the Alpines were able to keep the Alfa Romeo so far behind, even with um, a little bit of weaving from Fernando and poor an engine problem, basically. So the Ferrari straight line speed was good whilst in the DRS, but wasn't great, even if it was the fastest car across the track the straight line speed is what you need for the overtake. And that was still in rebels court. So I think it becomes a, an entirely different um, conundrum to address, which I think is, I think we kind of have a definite answer to based on admittedly very different cars at this stage in the season, but you look at the amount of races where <laughs> Verstappen just overtook people and won. So we look at that and that's still a trait of these cars. It's not, it's not been dialed out at all in a couple of, in a month. So um, it's a, as a role reversal, if we're going to put Verstappen in the, the, the lower straight line speed, that's an entirely different um, scenario. But then I think it would be a similar thing if Verstappen was in the Ferrari and Science and the Rebel. I think it would be the same outcome, to be honest. That's my opinion of that, based on the performances we saw yesterday, which were, as we already have said, exemplary from the both. The same outcome in the Red Bull winning and the Ferrari in second or Verstappen winning in Science. The same outcome as in not being able to overtake. So that if right. Verstappen was yeah. in second in the Ferrari, he would have stayed yeah. second at the end of the race. Do you think, I mean, that, that's kind of an interesting point is Ferrari may have had the fastest car, but overall, I think the Red Bull had the better car for Montreal. And that, I think you could, mm, Freddie should That, 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 that kind of goes against saying noises. they have the fastest car. <laughs> um, um, I, I haven't seen uh, the comments that Nigel's been referring to about science. I mean, even if they have, um, even if we're look, ranking the two cars, let's be honest, it's a tenth, two tenths difference. It's, it's negligible for the majority of the lap for this racing scenario. I think there, there's a, obviously a big gap between Verstappen and, and Sainz in qualifying, but that wasn't there on race pace at all. I think race pace, if we look at it, if we really were to delve into it, which is the research we haven't done for this podcast, it's called winging it for a reason, let's be honest. Um, 
if we were to go into the, the nitty gritty of the lap times, I think, and, and, and stint times and lengths and so on, I think they'd actually be remarkably the same. And we can mull over which was the best car as much as we want. But let's be honest, the Ferrari and the Rebel have been joined to the hip this year just with different character traits. So when it comes to lap time, so I think we don't need to really get bogged down in who had the fastest car because it's it's a it's a it's not an answerable question, in my opinion, you know, for a lot of this lot of these races. Someone who definitely didn't have the slowest car on the Sunday was Sergio Perez because he retired pretty early on in the race with the gearbox issue, which is that seven, five or seven retirements for Red Bull off the top of my head this season? Do you think that's a worry? Freddie's signing for at me. Um, is that a worry that how how concerned do you think they should be about that? Is it big? Gearbox issue, new issue. Um, gearbox issues happen really. It's the best, it's the most issue that you can say it just happens about Rebel and Rebel powertrains all year, in my opinion, because it's not a powertrain issue, it's a transmission issue. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, Paris didn't initially say it was an engine problem, but I just don't know if he didn't want to kind of put it on the team because I, the Red Bull gearbox is a Red Bull gearbox. So, yeah, uh, I don't think they'll be too concerned uh, about that. I think the Ferrari is a little bit more fragile than Red Bull at the moment. So, and it does look like these things we predict them as well so you know for the championship sake we kind of need for staff to have a dnf or two in the, in the next few races but, uh, i don't think red bull will be too uh, sinister talk from nigel you see him around the back of a red bull with a screwdriver trying to get themselves in retirements although you know you didn't have to hear that from us um while we're on the championship leaders how would you sum up Leclerc's race ready because he wouldn't drive with the day in the end. He finished fifth, but he he struggled for a lot of it and then came good at the end. He kind of yeah, it was a it was a difficult one and in the end quite a satisfying one. Yes, um, I think saving the mediums for the end of the race, well, second half of the race was the best choice for Ferrari in that scenario. They could have been tempted to pitting under a VSC earlier, but I think having mediums having an offset that was definitely going to be there late on is the right call from them. I don't think he deserved driver of the day, to be honest. I think pretty yeah. much if you, if you were to look down the, the results of that um, field all the way to probably um, Magnussen, well, Magnussen was last, probably Norris then, um, you would say that they all performed pretty well, actually. Uh, this is something I was going to bring up, which is kind of, you look at them and go, yeah, good. Yeah, did his job. Yeah, did his job. Yeah, did his job. I think that's why Leclerc didn't get to about fourth or something because everyone else kind of did their job pretty well and weren't really putting many, um, weren't really having many slip-ups. So as much as I was impressed with Leclerc, I was equally impressed with quite a lot of other drivers on the day. So I think, you know, it's the drive that was kind of the box tick for where he was. Like, yeah, I think fifth is kind of, kind of that with what we've said about offset of straight line speed as, as well for the Ferrari. It's, it's, it's where it is. Um, nothing mega, nothing awful. And that's kind of what he needed to do with, I think the right decision to take an engine penalty this weekend, get it over and done with very interesting, but bold call from Ferrari, which I think, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if we all agree on as a, as a, as a, the right idea moment, but yeah. it's all he really needed yeah, to do. He didn't do anything exceptional. Perfect. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think definitely the right thing to do with the engine belt. He saved a little, oh, well, it's made easier with the safety car at the end because many didn't have to come 15 seconds to Ocon and Alonso. He made it straight on the tail of them and then he overtook them. But he must have been so frustrated when he was behind. First, it was Bottas Albon, and then later in the race, he was stuck behind Ocon. It looked so better, Leclerc, and didn't have any tra- traction on the exits of, of the corners. So that was what hindered men that he couldn't overtake as as you know, as easily. So a straight race, but the actual result would probably be quite happy with because he could probably could have done that much better. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It kind of, it reminded me a bit of Russia last year where Verstappen kind of ended up, finished second, didn't he, I think. Um, or, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of, he just had but a he race was sick and he was sick ended up well. the rain. So that's the before point. the craziness. Yeah, yeah. Mm. he was sick um, and that was kind of the level. And you look at yeah. sort of Hamilton in Turkey as well, another one is a, an example of where he was about fourth or fifth because of the cars in front just doing a good enough job to kind of be that a little bit too far ahead. Yes, Freddie has made my point for me expertly. So, yeah, I think don't think it was a kind of well-beating performance from Leclerc, but he did the job well and he's just about, I think it's 46 points off the top of my head now, uh, the gap to Verstappen. So, yeah, he needs a bit of a bit of luck, but it's not irrescuable yet i would say moving on to the third member of the podium was sir lewis hamilton getting his first podium of the season and for a car that he said was undrive at second podium sorry when he said that in monaco and sky put out yeah. a whole video going, most really? people have made that, made that mistake yeah it's, it's a you're in good company with the mistake adam to be fair well you know, I'll I'll take that then. Um, yeah, but it was it, it for a car that he said was undrivable on Friday. It was a pretty good return to return to form or return to the podium for Hamilton, and I think he just drove a good race, and he seemed pretty happy with where the car was at the end of it. And you know, I think Mercedes' pace overall was very good. Do you think it's kind of? Do you think this is? A false dawn, or do you think it does have the potential to kind of be a bit of a sea change for Mercedes? Where, where do you come down on the optimism stakes? I think the track, well, it's one of Hamilton's best tracks. So for me, I've always thought if he really struggles in Montreal, then he is in big trouble. But he's more rear wing than George Russell, which didn't help in qualifying because it was wet. But then in the race, bars everything really he had he had probably his strongest showing since Australia when he lost out uh, to Russell so uh, yeah I think Mercedes I think I think the problem is they're still four or five tenths behind and even though the next few tracks might suit them more that gap is quite a lot to make up especially if Red Bull and Fari upgrades uh, so I don't know. I think clearly the midfield now, that's for sure. I think, I think they've moved away from Alpine and Alpha and Romeo, but still that deficit to, to the top two teams. Well, I think he should be very happy with his, with his performance. 
Yeah, good performance. Um, impressive job from Mercedes, in my opinion, as a team from the Friday to Saturday window of setup development. That seemed to be where so much good work was done. They were running a lot of experimental stuff on Friday and clearly they got some good results from how to apply that to the setup, which really helped both George and Lewis um, in just their feeling with the car. And I was incredibly impressed with just the way they just, as a team, were able just to dial in so much flow to that car. Um, I completely agree with you, Nigel. If, if Lewis was really bad in Montreal, you'd kind of think, oh, God, this is a good one for him. But it was a good one for him, so it's fine. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's nice to see him get a pony. It was really nice to see him be really happy, to be honest. Um, yes. I would say, um, just because... Obviously, he's been a bit in the dumps for obvious reasons because of his complete change of circumstance. Um, and his back. And his back. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, very good drive. I think, I talking about the kind of dawn of Mercedes in this regard, he was, what, eight seconds off at the flag? Um, albeit, well, not albeit, eight seconds off at the flag from a, a hooning it Verstappen and Science, which with 15 laps to go, kind of isn't wonderful um, when the safety car was brought in. Um, so when they were really turning it up, the Merc couldn't handle it. So there is that element to it. So it's a bit, it's a bit, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think, I think they're still on the experimenting stage of trying to figure out where to sort of then lay on top of this car, but I think they're really getting to it now. And I think they'll, it feels to me like it could be quite like, how Red Bull were in every year in the past 10, apart from the ones they've, well, every year since 2015, really, apart from last year and this year, where they were about this gap off at the start and by the end of it were on the level of the pace. And you think back to sort of where Red Bull have been at the end of seasons in like 2017, 18 and 19, they've always developed really nicely. I think that could be the story for Merck this year, um, just because they kind of are really starting to understand that base level. But we'll have to see. Um, but that's all that can really be, in my opinion, for Mercedes. I think it was just a very good drive. They capitalised on the fact that Perez was having a shocker and Leclerc was um, was naturally out of the picture. Um, but, like, yeah, it, it, all being normal, it would have been a fifth, let's be honest. Do you think, do you think Hamilton got a kind of slice of luck of Russell not... He, made a gamble to go on dry tide in qualifying and didn't work out and therefore started further back. So he wasn't up until the last stint. He was kind of always on a different track to Hamilton because yeah, I, when they were running together, then, you know, the Hamilton seemed to have slightly the better of him, but I think had they been qualified in a different position, that might not have been the case. Yes, but no. Um, I think Nigel would agree it was the right thing to do in qualifying. And I agree. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's the right risk to take. Um, but it does give him, get rid of that kind of opportunity to see how they are when push comes to shove in the final Q3 runs. I'd love to do it from Russell. I'd fall. Like, it was clearly too wet for dry times. So, yeah, I thought that was. Really silly to pull in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the last <laughs> but, but do you think that benefited Hamilton not really having the direct 
competition with Russell in the race for a large part of it. Uh, That's deep. It does, all because Russell made a mistake and Hamilton didn't. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think in the race, that's fair enough. Yeah. Well, there we go. Heard it from uh, heard it from both sides. So yeah, I think that's covered the top four, top five. Now we've gone through Leclerc. I think overall it was quite a strong weekend for a lot of people. Someone who had a very strong Saturday, and then it just a bit like Leclerc for a lot of the race. It just didn't kind of run correctly for him in the end. Fernando Alonso finished behind his teammate in the end which was a bit of a shame but how do you think it was just I don't know just kind of circumstance for Alonso was there anything he could have done better to you know make more of his front row start um not really I don't think there's anything he could have done better I think I think he, he was driving for the majority of the race without interruption he was driving pretty well for the regard of minimum race time which is what he should have done that was kind of how he should have been racing and that was how he was racing he wasn't holding up science too much but he wasn't you know making it easy for them to get past and that's you know what he needs to do you look back at kind of midfield high points they've got to really not put up too much of a fight unless they think they can do it and i think alpine you know there's much they're saying they're going through if they didn't get past into turn one then it was minimum race time to try and race for fifth and they got sixth and seventh on the road sixth and ninth if you Take into account Fernando's penalty afterwards for weaving, um, which you should because it's the result. Um, but so it kind of the qualifying was the highlight of the weekend. It was a bit downhill, but the race was for the most part was managed very well. They just were impe- impeded a bit by hampered by that safety car for Sonoda. Didn't really flow with them. Did flow for Ocon, um, but. They had it also worked really well for the Alfa Romeos who were able to sort of sit on their tails with some very good race pace. So I think it was it was still a well-managed race and they were still the the fourth fastest car across the weekend, but the Alfa Romeo was very good as well, which kind of didn't help. Ocon and Alonso both are just very good race drivers. It was just the circumstance wasn't necessarily wonderful for Fernando Alonso this time out. I, I really kind of not well. It's a shame that we didn't get to see a lot of uh, what we saw in Budapest last year uh, when they were battling in over, over the final 10, 15 laps. Uh, I thought we might get more of the same this time round, but obviously the engine problem meant how to just breeze by. And I think Alpine's strategy as well, they were a bit unlucky with the timing of the virtual safe cars, but then they could have still pitted, pitted under the first one with Hind. So that was a shame. So it just all kind of went the wrong way up along and then stop it off with the leaving on the final lap, which was right because it was right. Well, it was out of order really from from a lot of the was just frustrated with you know being behind and knowing that he's generally been a lot quicker all weekend and then to finish behind. So I can understand it, but it's Stupid slap. Uh, so yeah, nine isn't what Alonso deserved. I don't, I don't know. No, I think that's fair enough. Yeah, isn't what he deserved for the lap. Um, but would you say the from what we, the minimum of what we've seen from all the weaving was the five seconds was what he deserved for the penalty? 
Yeah, so basically it was going down the back straight, coming out on the hairpin, and he moved at least three or four times, and Bottas was forced to lift out of it. So, yeah, it wasn't really on. And Well, we've seen a lot. I think what it is, is with, with Alonso, he thinks a lot of dri- other drivers get away with these kind of things, kind of race craft-type antics. So that's why he does it himself, almost, to try and make a point. That's how I've always... You know, see about it. There was a thing last year about back limits on, on the first lap. Now drivers will go off and turn one, then come back on and get in positions. And then like, did it himself or something a few races later, and then he got penalty after. So, I know there's there's a bit of that. And obviously earlier this year he's had a, he said some stuff about yeah and about uh, his controversial Abu Dhabi thing. So, so yeah, uh, frustrating for Alonso. <laughs> I agree. I think it was a worthy penalty, but I do, and I also agree. I think he's probably he's right. A few people do get away with things, but he does do it that little bit more on the nose um, to try and make that point. And he just kind of think, well, it's fine. Oh, oh no, I'm so I've done. It's like, well, no, you've still broken the rule for now. Though, just the best way to do this is to say, oh, people are doing things rather than maybe to do it, maybe. But um, I don't know. He's probably tried. He has tried that. To be fair, um, but. You know, I think I think he's right. I, f- I think you're right. A few people do get away with it, um, but yeah, still, I thought he would get um, a bigger penalty. To be honest, yeah, it's. I, I think Fernando's a okay. He's, he's a pantomime villain, I think, in and he he likes that role. Um, I think in his own mind, and yeah, it's it's one of those. But I thought. Particularly from Archon, thought it was a fantastic race. He would have been my driver of the day personally. Um, I think anyway. But um, yeah, I think overall it's still a good race for Alpine. It's just I think what might have been from from where we were at the start. But I mean, you know, Verstappen got a stonking start and Lonzo didn't really. Lonzo was more pressure from where was behind him than being able to put pressure on Verstappen. So it was kind of early on showing that wasn't going to be the case. Um, but yeah, it was. It was a race. It's still a fantastic front row for Alpine. And moving through, you just mentioned them, the two Alfa Romeos. It was a good, really good race from Alfa Romeo. They, you know, double points haul, 10 points into double figures. It's just, I don't know, it feels like this has been threatening to threatening to come or it's, you know, this, this is kind of where the the kind of maximum of Bottas being the, you know, kind of elder statesman within the team and Joe being the r- exciting rookie. That's, I guess, the, this feels like the kind of potential that you have from a driver pairing like that, where they've both got quality despite kind of some of Joe's um, drawbacks. So yeah, Freddie, how do you analyse their race? Second double points finish of the season. Yeah, second double points finish of the season. And very good double points finish. Well-deserved. Both drivers really properly deserve those points. If they weren't handed to them and they drove very well all throughout the weekend. Um, good wet weather performance from both drivers. Bottas was a 10th of Q3. Joe had his first Q3 appearance ever um, and was, wasn't was just the 10th place guy. He was in the fight for the ninth place with Ricardo and um, eighth with whoever was eighth. Um, and, you know, it was it was... It was a good job. It was impressive. And um, both of them had good race pace. Um, admittedly, that top-end speed from the Ferrari engine wasn't there, like I mentioned earlier, which made it a bit difficult. So Joe was stuck behind Mick Schumacher for a bit until he retired. Um, and then obviously both of them couldn't quite put up that 
that fight for the Alpines and they could have got more points is an issue that maybe needs to be addressed. Maybe they need to just mess around with some gear ratios or something. Um, but you know, it's it's it was it was a good it was a good showing. And you know, last week we were uh, the Baku. Sorry, we were de- despairing over Joe not manage, not quite managing to not managing to get to the end of the race once again because of a technical issue when he was probably on target for a points finish and it being, you know, a really good drive for him that was promising. And he's delivered on that promise the week after. So um, that was good because he was the de- he was the defining Alfa Romeo driver this weekend. Bottas had a few more strategic um, fortunes. Um, that made sense. Had a bit more strategic fortune. Um, but Joe was there right on his tail at the end anyway. So... Hats off to both of them. Hats off to that team for having such a good turnaround into this year and being able to make it last in their race pace. It's been very impressive and I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think Alpha Romeo earlier in the year at Imola and I think uh, there was another race as well. They had third or fourth fastest car and then they went through a bit, a bit of a bad patch. But then in Canada like on that, at the weekend, they looked like probably fourth or best team, I think, on Sunday, I'd say. So then I think Joe was probably made the most of that and the last few race weekends he's looked like a proper you know f1 driver and considering all the stick that he got when he was announced last year i think full credit especially with when he went through four or five races where he didn't really perform that well he, he bounced back from it he found something and he's clearly clearly taken some you know quite a lot of confidence from that so i think i think joe deserves a lot of credit hopefully he can keep that up but if he keeps performing like this, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in F1 next year. Completely agree. Words from Nigel. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's just nice to nice to see him doing well. I think he's he just seems to have come and really applied himself, which is you know all you can do as a rookie really, and he's reaped the benefits certainly. And then rounding out the top ten was the homeboy himself, Lance Stroll, who snuck in at the end. It was a kind of it was a difficult race for. Aston Martin, particularly Sebastian Vettel, but Stroll did okay and yeah, picked up a point for his trouble. So, Freddie, a word on his weekend? Um, yeah, it fell into place for him a bit because his qualifying was dire. Um, yes, Aston Martin's qualifying was dire, but his was dire, 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 Danny dire. Um, and he was a full second off Sebastian Vettel, and Lance Stroll is good in the wet. So, something clearly wasn't clicking for him or the team there. Um, but, you know, played the race very well, started on the hards, and obviously that then played into his hands later down the line. Vettel had a really weird scenario where he pitted twice in the first 15 laps or whatever, one of them under VSC, one of them not, I think. And that was just weird. Um, and then obviously then trying to make those tyres last for a shed load of time and didn't really work, which meant that he was kind of falling out of the points at the end of the race when he probably could have had a nice little offset, but I think he'd used up too many of his tyres. So wasn't able to fight for the points which is where his pace had put him very early on anyway he'd done a better race than Stroll until that point just it worked better for Stroll at the end of it so um Aston Martin at least understood that and got that point for Stroll yeah and speaking oh unless Nigel do you want to add a word on yeah I was just gonna say yes to your point but I was expecting a bit more from Aston Martin. This Vettel usually goes around the world, goes well around Canada. Yeah, it's Stroll's home track, so you know maybe he can do something a bit more. And given her pace in the last couple of races before Canada, I don't know. I just thought it would be 
more towards the front end of the midfield and they were kind of in the middle of the midfield instead. And yes, it's it's close. Uh, but I'll, I would have been slightly disappointed if I was there. But, you know, we'll do better next time around. Yeah, I think it's a case of go again. I kind of didn't have too many fingers crossed for them really going into the weekend. But, um, you yeah, know, we'll see see how they're kind of, whether they're, um, you know, whether they continue to fight close to the front of the pack over the next few rounds back in Europe. But Freddie mentioned Dyer Dyer earlier. There was a double diet for uh, McLaren and Haas, who, yeah, it was just, just not great kind of on it on any level really they struggled over the over the weekend and you know I think apart from they didn't struggle over the weekend no, I mean I did, got uh, their best ever qualifying re- in their time in F1 with fifth and sixth yeah they, as, they as I was saying apart, that, really <laughs> as I was saying that I realized it was Norris Norris was 14th but the other three drivers got into Q3 so I am chatting out my ass but yeah it kind of it just did fall apart on race day and Mick kind of dropped back early on and then had his retirement and that was it was as Joe was overtaking him it looked like he was surprised that Joe was there but actually I think he might have just been surprised that his engine was going pop but um yeah and both you know Magnussen ended up finishing last out of the finishers and both McLaren's are out the points as well so it's just a really tough weekend all round for the British American duo. McLaren's race management was not very nice um their bad pit stops across the board was just threw them away and it just wasn't really working for them. Haas had that race kind of stolen from them in very sad, upsetting ways because they could have really been up there with Alpine and Alfa Romeo, in my opinion, at the end because they were doing all right at keeping the Alfa Romeo's behind in the points. Um, Mick was about seventh or eighth when he was retired and Magnussen was um, fifth when he had got the black and orange flag, the meatball flag for his front wing where he was still keeping that pace there. Um, Admittedly, yeah, his front wing was peeling apart so that needed to be changed, which is a, a, an annoying situation for him because that pace was there for them, but that race is kind of just sort of sprinkled away because Haas did do a very good job that weekend and Magnussen then ran those tyres until the end of the race, which is why he was 17th, but um, which is probably the only mark I'd put against Haas this weekend, to be honest, which is they probably could have done put on soft or something at the end and just had a bit of a bit of a play with Magnussen, but they didn't. Um, but yeah, McLaren were were operationally not very good in my opinion this weekend, and that's what's let them down. Yeah, I think they've got some big front. The car is just bang average. It is average in the corners. It's well, it's arguably the worst on the straights, or or, or, or one of the worst. And Norris, we have to get a sensor issue in qualifiers, which is down the order. And then the double stack, which is probably the right oh. idea, but if you're gonna do it. Make sure you get it right, and I think I don't know how long Norris's pit stop was, but he was waiting for at least 15 seconds, I think. Uh, and then that ruined his race. Ricardo, when Norris is going to having those problems, kind of need him to, you know, be there to get points, kind of threaten it really. Uh, so, um, I can't even that, I, I think it is the car, I, I think the car is just it's not got many there's not many weaknesses but it's not got months either it's just kind of done everywhere that that was a problem you know at the start of the season that went on a massive run in Bahrain <laughs> about 
and then he got better. So I thought, well, then now it's kind of coming back. So it's difficult to say word or out, but I just see because it's up there and without being getting difficult to get place this year, I think, for them. So, yeah, difficult. Other questions I've got for Hamilton. Should he have been so on the first lap with Hamilton? We saw a similar thing in Spain when they made contact. Or, and should he have been given the back and orange flag? Because I thought that was quite harsh because his front wing wasn't exactly. I, I think because the front wing end plate was significantly kind of moving per lap, that it kind of like there was then question of structural integrity for parts of the wing. I think, I think that's really what it was. And um, when it's raised by Ocon, even if it is Ocon being a bit cheeky with it when that happens you kind of have to kind of think oh well we've got to give the benefit of the doubt for this scenario um from the alpine perspective behind um which is a shame for that regard but um yeah that kind of thing needs to be checked and um, i think if we think back to um suzuka 2019 where bits then just suddenly came off leclerc's wing and nearly went into hamilton's visor and helmet um behind him after ferrari didn't pit then you look at it from that perspective, it's kind of like, okay, well, it's you need to act on that actually a bit quickly. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an unlucky one because I think Magnussen could have, well, yeah, who knows how it would have shaken out with the uh, pit stops, but yeah, I think I think Magnussen kind of could have could have done something, done a good job for Haas, and yeah, it's kind of a difficult weekend all round for them. But I th- I don't know, I think they'll be. Uh, I think they'll be back. I think it's a positive, you know, Mick. He didn't have the best racing before his retirement, but I think, you know, it's a positive step. It's more positive than he's been in the last few weeks. So kind of hopefully that... Oh, the, the ninth in the championship, and they really shouldn't... The car they've got, they should at least be six or seven. I think they've made so many mistakes. Yes, Kanzo is more, you know, the engine and Maxson being unlucky, but they've thrown away so many points of strategy or driver errors. Uh, they should be much higher. They should they should have more points on the table, but I don't know. I think I just don't have that. I have very little confidence in that. And I think Canada kind of, well, Canada and the last few races before that have kind of proved why. They just they don't seem to operate as well as other teams. And I, I don't know if that's you know, a problem with the management or something else, but there's a, just this always seems to be a mistake in the weekend. They can they can't seem to execute clean weekends, and that is frustrating. It is. Well, yes, yes, it's frustrating. Complete agreement there. Yes, but next time, I don't know. I hope. Yeah, it's even. Yeah, I just think you know, if they can, they can get it all together. They'll be they'll be looking good, but. Can they? That is the question, which we'll find out next week. Are there any other drivers you want to give a word in the positive or negative category to? Sonoda's crash was silly. Freddie was was, a second away from saying that. (laughs) Sonoda's crash was silly, but the rest of his driving across the weekend was really good, and his crash really annoyed me because the crash was so silly. It was kind of like, you're doing so well this weekend. You're having a very good weekend, Yuki. For goodness sake, you've you've been the better Alfa Tauri driver until that point this year. But fine. Um, and also, I was going to touch on the two Williams drivers. Um, yeah. 
Because, I mean, yeah, Latifi's home race wasn't necessarily wonderful, your classic Latifi performance. There's rumours going around that he's going to be announced, of his the dropping of him is going to be announced at Silverstone. Um, whether that will happen, we don't know, because there's always rumours that something will be announced at Silverstone. Um, um, and Alex Albon actually was messed around with safety cars and whatnot because he actually had a really cracking first half of the race. He fought his way up to the points and was staying there on virtue and merit um only then sort of lost that because of Leclerc really but was on that point fight legitimately and had a very you know stonking little drive in my opinion until safety cars and scenarios and messy yeah he basically pitted a lap before the safe before the uh, second virtual safety car so lap 18 he pitted but then the virtual safety car lap 19 so everyone else got cheaper pit stop and jumped him so that was unfortunate because Albon again probably the 50,000th race in a row has been driving very well. So that's nice to see. Even I'll say that. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, he was <laughs> the one. He was the one I was going to shout out. He he was just very lucky. And yeah, you've outlined how it went with him in the pits. It was, you know, he. I think he can take a lot out of this weekend. And, you know, hopefully he can carry that on in, into his home race pretty much. So, yeah, fingers crossed for Albon because... You know, I think he he deserves something um, after that race. I think so. Yeah. But unless there's anyone else, I just want to give a word to the Canadian Grand Prix because I was very excited before it and it lived up to my expectations. I give it a solid seven, seven and a half out of ten. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I was <clears throat> after a couple of editions away. It was nice to see it back, and you know, it's they it's kind of the track itself doesn't seem to. Be the best on paper, but it delivered this weekend, and I was happy with that. Freddie, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I really enjoyed the Canadian Grand Prix. Just, I just do. I mean, I enjoyed good Grand Prix to be honest, but it was did feel very good, a little party atmosphere. I have my classic FOMO for a good looking Grand Prix when it comes to a big crowd in a city. That's where I just want to be. Um, so I had my Grand Prix FOMO for that. Um, and yeah, I want to go to Montreal, guys. <laughs> And so that's and why we're starting a Patreon. Not stand for Formula One. Uh, yeah. All right. I yeah, will. On that note, still, I missed half of what you said, but I'm just going to disagree with yeah. you. Yeah. Nigel, you idiot. That's always the best policy. It's an absolutely ridiculous comment to say. But thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we shall be back to preview the British Grand Prix. It's coming home, Ooh. even if it isn't coming home. Wow in terms of a British driver, but thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.